And it's the most beautiful thing because I'll begin to see things I've never seen, hear things by the Lord. Because He'll bring things into my conscience and make me aware of things in the Word that I really haven't understood or I really haven't seen or I haven't thought about. In Isaiah 61, 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord Jehovah. King James says, The Spirit of the Lord, but I'm in American standards. It says, The Spirit of the Lord Jehovah is upon me. Because Jehovah hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the year of Jehovah's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them a garland for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of Jehovah, that he may be glorified. And now li- listen to the transition that happens in verse 4. Oh, yeah. And they shall, who shall? They. they shall build the old waste places. They shall raise up the former desolation, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flock, and foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priests of Jehovah. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory shall you boast yourselves. And I'll stop right there for this morning, but you can go read it all. Well, I began to look at this scripture, and I had written down, I was in the hotel room the other day, and I wrote down a group of scriptures to go along with this. And so I have, I've had this on my mind for some days as the Lord has dealt with me. And when I really sat down yesterday and I began putting things together of what I wanted to share, I started out writing on Facebook and started writing out along, along these lines as, as writing out a Luke 4 and I and inside, you know, I wanted to go to Genesis one. I said, "Where's the first place the Spirit of the Lord is mentioned?" I said, "Well, Genesis one." Well, the Lord kind of checked my spirit and said, "Is that right?" God ever checked you? Well, Genesis one. If you go back there, it says that the Spirit of God doesn't say the Spirit of the Lord. And the Lord was very, kind of very specific with me. He got very, kind of very specific with me. Because the Spirit of the Lord is coming out of the word Jehovah, the self-existent one. In Genesis 1, and it's the same Spirit, but, it, but it's, it's coming, it's the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and said, let there be light. The Spirit of Elohim. Different name for the same God, Elohim. But there's different context in what God is saying. It's so powerful when the Lord begins to, to deal with you there because, because that's when He'll open your eyes to, to, to uh, a mystery in Christ, to something you don't know. And so He began to deal with me that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of waters and I, and I wrote, here the Bible is dealing with the Spirit of Elohim, the word used for God in Genesis 1. Elohim is used throughout your Bible and is defined to be the plurality of another word. 
And the other word's almost the same word, Strong's 433, that means God. So it's the plurality of God. And I said many people interpret this to mean God is triune. It could also be looked at as God in His many manifestations. The first look at Elohim in your Bible is created or creator. God Elohim. So there in Genesis 1, Elohim created the world. So, so there, just about if not every instance in Genesis 1, I've looked at it before and I can't remember because I didn't look at it last night, but I've looked at it before and about every instance you look at there with Elohim, is, 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 with God in Genesis 1, is dealing with Elohim. Now that Elohim word is plural. And again, like I said, a lot of people say, well, that's where God is triune. Now, I'm not going to argue that one way or another this morning. But what I would, what I would suggest to look at is, is that He was manifested in many names. In the Old Testament, God was not just known as Elohim. He was known as El Shaddai. He was known as El. He was known as Jehovah and all the Jehovah names and probably many I'm not speaking of right now. So, so if I go back to the Spirit of the Lord, the first I wrote the first occurrence that I can find is in Judges. That's specifically the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Jehovah. And I, and I wrote, this is powerful for it deals with a Savior. Amen. <laughs> I looked at it, and, and this, this all at once I'm like, wow, this is dealing with the Savior. And what's Isaiah 61 dealing with when he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the good news, the gospel. Yes. See, He's a Savior. So here... In the Spirit of the Lord, and I wrote, Israel had gotten themselves into all kinds of messes and cried unto the Lord, and He raised up His Savior, and it is declared that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Him. Judges 3, 7 through 11. Let's read that. Judges 3, 7 through 11. And it said, The children of, evil, the children of Israel did that which was evil in the sight of Jehovah. Who did? The children of Israel. And forgot Jehovah their God and served the Balaam and the Asherah. So they were serving false gods. Therefore the anger of Jehovah was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan, whatever, king of Mesopotamia. You have to, if you can figure out how to pronounce it, tell me. Okay? Anyway, they get sold because the Lord was angered at them. You notice that? And, and that says so much, I'm going to stop here because it's going to pick this up later, but, uh, but I have a, a short period of time to put this together and I want to, want to kind of give you a, a thought to consider and we'll pick it up in a, in a couple weeks, Lord willing. But So Israel, if you read your Old Testament, I said if you read, when, I should say wherever, when you read your Old Testament, let's, so let's change if to when. When we read our Old Testament, we will see Israel's all the time getting in trouble. Yes. Has anybody ever read that? Many, many times. All, right, all the time. Why, why does that happen? Well, if you go read Deuteronomy 27 and 28, 
you actually if you read the book of Deuteronomy, but but for for time's sake, Deuteronomy 27, 28, you know Moses is pronouncing the law to them. They and and now I don't think it's in there where they say, yeah, we'll do every word, but they do in another place. They tell Moses, we're going to do every word of the law. What happened to them? They couldn't do it. What does the law say? The law says, if you do these things, God's going to bless your comings in and your goings out. He's going to bless your home. You're going to bring forth. Your sons are going to be blessed. Your daughters are going to be blessed. And everybody's going to be blessed. Everything you touch is going to be blessed if you keep the whole law. The whole law. If you do it. If you don't do it, all these curses are going to come upon you. Read Deuteronomy. So Israel's under that covenant with the Lord. That if they keep the law, they're walking in blessings. If they don't keep the law, they're walking in cursings. And these cursings are from the Lord. Now people say, well, that ain't God. Read your Bible. I say, yeah, it was. That was the covenant they were in. They were in a covenant relationship. So when they would fall and worship false gods, and if you read this whole story here in the book of Judges, what it started off with, you know, and it really goes back to other stories, God told them not to spare any of the ites. I can't remember all the words. But they went in and they began to covenant with the Canaanites, with the various families of the Canaanites. And the Canaanites have way more significance than I thought. Now let's stretch your mind. You want to stretch your mind? Who wants to stretch your mind this morning? Where did Canaan come from? Is anybody in here? I've got a prize for you, if you can tell me. Anybody know where Canaan comes from? I'll give you a quarter if you can tell me. You got it. Ham. He was the son of the cursed son. The son of Ham. And if you go read the story of Noah, this is where your Bible will connect and you'll go, wow. So these Canaanites were cursed people because they were living under the curse of Noah. So when Israel would fall into the hands of the Canaanites, just like God told them, cursed is your city, cursed is your land, cursed is everything, they were falling under the power of a cursed people. So not only was that covenant declaring the curse, here's this people, Canaan, who's cursed. They're cursed. Because they, they went in and, you know, Cain, uh, Ham, uh, Ham went in and saw his father's nakedness. Now, there's two thoughts to that. There's always two thoughts, sometimes three, four, five. But one thought is he saw his father disrobe. Another thought is he saw his mother or stepmother. I think it was stepmother. I can't remember the story now. Because 
the father's nakedness was his wife. That's it. So, so a thought is he looked upon his mother or stepmother. And the other brothers saw the shame in that, and they come in and covered their father's nakedness backwards. And it's probably even more than, than what is probably dealing with the, his heart, the lust of his heart and everything else there. But, but just for a moment, so Canaan is a cursed people. And see, that carries down into that whole, the whole Ike family. Just call them the Ikes. So all the ites were cursed. The Hivites, Jebusites, Amorites. You, you read that all through the Old Testament again if you read your Old Testament. You, you can't go anywhere without running into the ites. So when Israel's going into Canaan land, and the other part of that, Israel's told this is their land, well, God had spoke to, the, to Noah and his sons and said, I think it was Japheth, and I may be wrong, that Japheth was going to inherit Canaan's land. And I believe Abraham was the seed of Japheth, and I may have the name Switzerland. So, so all that even ties together. Even the covenants there. Tie together. So, so God had already promised this through Noah that the ice were going to serve Japheth. And again, I may have twisted the name, so you can go back and you have to go back and read it. It's been a long time since I read it. But all that started coming back to me this morning. And I go, wow, this is, this is so much bigger. So I go in here and I look at this, and, I, and, and so Israel does that which is evil in the sight of God, and they're under the curse, the curse of the law, and they're literally under the, the authority and power of the Canaanites. And then they cry to the Lord. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, verse 9, unto Jehovah, Jehovah raised up a Savior to the children of Israel. If, this, if somebody can't see Jesus here, here I don't know how you're going to see Jesus. If you can't see Jesus, search the Scripture. Bob quoted it this morning. In them you think you have life, but these testify me. So here, Israel's in bondage and slavery unto uh, the king of what Mesopotamia, and they call unto God. They call unto Jehovah. And, and why did this work? Because it's a covenant He made. When they turn unto Me, I'm going to rescue them. So here, Jehovah raised up a Savior to, to the, uh, Jehovah raised up a Savior to the children of Israel who saved them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of Jehovah came upon him. So how did He save them? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And I, and I was looking at that and I was like, my Lord. So, so you go through the book of Judges and you see all these judges and, and we, know, we know one of the most famous ones. We, we, most of us have, have told the story of Samson. 
And we go through the book of Judges and we read down there and the secret remedy of all these judges is the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord begins to come upon us. And, and it's always in terms of deliverance. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, my Lord! So it's always declaring a deliverer. But see, Israel, even with all the deliverance God works through, through all these judges and then all these kings, Israel's still in bondage. Do you realize that? They're still in bondage. They're still in bondage. And, 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 I, and I want to flip over to John 8. And like I said, I'm going to try to put this together uh, from a time's sake. And we can delve into it a little bit look deeper later on. But turn over to John 8. And there's many Scriptures here on the Spirit of the Lord coming upon them. But nonetheless, let's find John 8 in my notes. Oh, do, 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 do. I must have went right over top of it. That's what I get for looking for it in my notes. We'll just find it in the Bible. How about that? John 8. Are you all there? Usually I'm there and you're not. Now this morning you're there and I'm not. How's that? He says in verse 21, Jesus therefore said to the Jews that believed Him, If you abide in My word, then you are truly My disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now what do they say? They answered it. You know, they made a map. The way I interpret this anyway. We are Abraham's seed and have never yet been in bondage to any man. How sayest thou? Now, now stop a minute. What did we just read all the way back in the Old Covenant happened to Israel? Now this is Jerusalem. They were in bondage to Mesopotamia. Let's put this in some serious context here. Here's a group of people that look at Jesus and they say, we're Abraham's seed and we've never been into bondage to any man. Now, whose authority were they under then? They were in bondage right there. They were in bondage to the Romans. So they didn't have their own rule right there. The Roman government was ruling over Jerusalem. They were letting them be their own province and so forth and carry on some of their traditions, but they were under bondage to Rome. Amen. So, so just think of the audacity of what they said to Jesus. We've not been in bondage to any man. Jesus could have said, have you ever read that Bible you say, or you know, I'm sure they call it the Bible then. Have you ever read that, those books of the prophets and the laws that you say you're a teacher of, and you're telling me you've never been in bondage? He could have said that. You were in bondage over and over for your disobedience. Over and over you were in bondage to who? King Nebuchadnezzar. You were in bondage to King Cyrus. You were in bondage. He could have just, just went through the scroll of the bondage that they had been in. 
But, the, but what he was trying to do is, is bring them to a mind, or what he was doing was bring us to a mind of true deliverance. See, see, because Israel was looking for a deliverer, and, and if you don't read the Old Covenant, you don't fully understand what they were looking for. They had had deliverers come through Israel that whole existence and deliver them out of the hands of their oppressors. Read the Psalms. And their oppressors were physical oppressors, were, were physical kingdoms on the earth that would come in and oppress them because they're not doing the law. And why they would fall under it was because they were not doing the law. Because they could not get free from the law. So the law said, the law said, if you do this, this is going to happen to you. And that's what was going on over and over with Israel. Anyway, so here's Jesus saying, saying to them after they say that, you shall be made free. Verse 33, after they tell him we've never been in bondage with any man, how sayest thou you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, everyone that committeth sin is the bondservant of sin, is a slave to sin. And the bondservant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth forever. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, yet you seek to kill me, because my word hath not free course in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my Father, and you also do the things which you have heard from your Father. Now, you're talking about making some Jews mad. I, I guarantee you, he made some Jews mad right here. Yeah. Let's do what, let's wear that bracelet. Let's do what Jesus does. Kidding with you. All right. They answered and said unto him, Our father is Abraham. Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. What, was the, what were the works of Abraham? He believed God, and God counted it for righteousness. And Jesus says, I'm speaking the words of God, and you won't receive me. Right. So, so if you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. In other words, the fact that you're a Jew according to the flesh is not making you Abraham's seed in this covenant. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which I heard from God. This did not Abraham. You do the works of your father. They said unto him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came forth and am come from God. For neither have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father... It, it is your will to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and standeth not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father thereof. But because I say the truth, you believe me not. 
So here's Jesus on the scene. And telling them, you're of your father the devil, the lust of your father will you do. What were they wanting to do to Jesus? They were wanting to kill Him. So what were the lusts of the, of, of, that He was comparing it to? He was going back to Cain in the garden that from the beginning, the devil was a liar from the beginning. So from the beginning, the devil was a liar. And Cain slew his brother, and he's telling them that the works of the devil you want to do also. Because you want to kill me. Because God's Word is not abiding in you. In other words, you won't receive God's Word. Now I've got to get my mind back into thought. What, what, what's so powerful here is that you are a servant. He brought that their, their, their bondage into not Rome. He didn't say you're a bondservant of Rome, did he? He says you're a bondservant of sin. The condition that put them into slavery in Rome was sin. The sin under the law. The sin in the Adamic man, but in particular this morning, the sin under the law, they would not do the law. And he said, If the Son therefore make you free, you are free indeed. And see, we've been looking at this for some weeks in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in the Son. To them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There is now no condemnation. There's no condemning law of Moses to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If the Son has made you free, you're free indeed. See, why do we want to be yoked unto slavery? See, I, see, Christian people want to stay yoked to the slavery of the law. They want to find righteousness by the law. They want to find wholeness by the law. And I'm telling you, if you go read your Bible again, if you go read your Old Testament, there's a group of people that tried to do that for thousands of years, and guess what? They failed miserably. And here comes Jesus on the scene. He says, hey, I'm the deliverer. I'm the one Isaiah wrote of. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to what? Preach the good news. Look at, look at Luke 4. Look at Luke 4. I got the good news for you. So he comes into the midst of them in Luke 4 and he tells them, he gets the book of Isaiah the prophet, uh, which we just read, Isaiah 61, it's Luke 4, 17. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he have anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. I think in Isaiah it says to the meek. He hath sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Release 
Listen to what we just read in John. If the Son make you free, what? You're free indeed. So He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to proclaim the favor, it says here, the acceptable year of our Lord, to proclaim the favor, the grace, the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what the Spirit... So the Spirit of the Lord is upon Him to announce good tidings. Good tidings, yes. Good news, yes. The Gospel. He that believeth on Me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And see, see, just the concept of that. We, we, We go in the concept of that not perishing as... In the future. And we go in the concept of that of having everlasting life is in the future. So so we hear what Jesus said, we Christian folks. And we automatically kind of say, Well, in the future I'm not going to perish. And in the future I'm not I'm going to have eternal life. What Jesus was dealing with the now and now, not the sweet by and by. See, God, when He dealt with Israel, He wasn't dealing with them in the sweet by and by. He was dealing with them right then. So Jesus is coming on the scene and He's dealing with the now and now. So you have eternal life and you're not perishing in the wallows of sin through the power of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, not through the keeping of the law. Right. See, that's what we don't understand. We don't want to turn loose of the law because we say, well, well, how, how do we correct people? Because the resurrection life of Jesus Christ has freed us from the curse of the law, for curses him that hang up upon the tree. So go back there and read all those curses. They don't apply to you. Amen. Not one of them. Because cursed is he that hangeth upon a tree. So you're not under the curse. Amen. Uh, amen. See, 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 we don't want to believe that. We want, we want God to curse us. We've been conditioned to think He's out to get us. God's out to get me. If I mess up, He's going to get me. No, he said, thy sins and iniquities. He said, behold, I'm going to make a new covenant. This is what God said. I'm going to make a new covenant with them after those days, say of who? The Lord. Not say of man. That I'm going to put my laws in their heart and their mind, and I'm going to be a God to them. They're not going to need every man to teach them, for I was going to know from the least to the greatest. And he says in that, Thy sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Didn't say you would remember. Right? But he said he wouldn't. So so where did they go? They they got laid upon... He sent Jesus here. We read that. That He sent Jesus. The Spirit was upon me because He anointed me to preach good... Tidings to the poor, He has sent me Amen. to proclaim release to the captives from the captive of sin. 
He sent Him to proclaim release. Why? Because the sin situation was getting ready to get deal with it. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He was getting ready to get dealt with once and for all by Him. That on Him was laid, the apostle writes, the sins of us all. Of who? Of us all. <coughs> that all laid on Him. So how do I get free from them? By doing the law? No, but by the hearing of faith. I believe in Him. I come to Him. And see, see, there's an idea where if you teach like this, then you're going to give people a freedom just to wallow and say, no, not. I'm going to bring a people to the union and relationship with Jesus Christ that we started with in John 17, that they may be one. If we are one, you think He's full of sin? Do you think Jesus has power over sin? Do you think He has victory over lusts of the flesh, over the lusts of the mind? Do you think He is greater than whatever's working behind your eyeballs? Yeah. So you already tried to be perfect with God. You've already tried to measure up with God. And you've already failed. So why not give him a try? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Get yoked up with me. Take my yoke. You've been yoked up with the bondage of, of sin. You've been yoked up under the law. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So when I learn of Him, I learn a nature that doesn't have sin. He doesn't have flesh nature. So how do I get free from it? Peter writes this, that we have received the divine nature whereby, whereby the divine nature we conquer or escape the lusts of the world. So he didn't write whereby we go back and observe the law to get out of the lusts of the world. He said, no, we, we get out of it by the divine nature. See, we don't get out of it by observing the law. The law was holy. Good. See, I, I want to be clear. There was nothing wrong with the words of the law. The problem was ourselves. That was the problem. So the law is only good. The law testified of Jesus Christ. It was speaking of Him. And whenever we go back to the law and try to find perfection in the law, I'm afraid what happens is we go back and we find our own inefficiency. Because all once we're back and trying to find God, you know what, I did this bad act, and here's what the law says, I'm a sinner. I'll try not to do it anymore. But forgive me for my sins and I won't do it anymore. And then two days later, or ten minutes later, sometimes yeah. two days later, right? Ten minutes later, I'm back in the same mess. I just confessed I'm never going to walk in again. I just told the Lord I ain't never going to do this. I'm never going to get mad like that. I'm never going to tell Mark off like that again. Now Phyllis back there laughing. That's why I'm picking on Phyllis. So I'm never going to do it again. I'm not saying Phyllis does that. But, but I'm never going to do it again. I, I, could say, I could say Calvin. Never going to get mad at Darlene like that again. 
Kevin says, oh yeah, well. <laughs> well at least Kevin's up. So, 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 see, see, we, we wrestle with this thing. You wrestle with it? Who's wrestled with it? I have. I'll be honest. Have you ever wrestled with the Every day I've wrestled with it for years. I don't want you to do that. See, 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 for years I went around wrestling with condemnation. I did, Brother Andrew. I mean, years and years I went around. Even even in this Revelation Word, I go around wrestling with condemnation. Yeah. And I read, there's no condemnation. But then I can't get free from it. Why? Because I was trying to get free myself. Instead of realizing my freedom, my state was through the person of Jesus Christ. Instead of realizing that the, that the way to get out of condemnation was through Him, was just simply believing on Him, receiving Him, and letting that act of faith work in my heart that He has freed me from sin, that He has freed me from disgrace, that He has freed me from every vile act of myself. And that he has the power to do that. That I don't I don't have any power to do that. I might can quit smoking. I might have enough willpower to quit smoking, but I can't change my heart. Do you realize that? I can't change what's inside of me no matter how hard I try. And I'm, I'm about done for this morning, but I'll tell you a story. Many years ago, I was living in a fraternity house. And yes, I did. Okay? So I was living in a fraternity house, and I, and I had decided, you know, I, was, I wasn't going to give my heart to Jesus, but I was going to keep the commandments. I was going to do this, and I was going to do that, and I was going to be right with God. It was impossible. I began to read my Bible. I began to be religious. And I was miserable as all get out. I was in misery. Because that, that thing kept pointing at me and telling me, man, you're a mess up. And I wouldn't come to the solution. Because the solution required me to give up myself. See, what the solution required me, unless you lose your life, you shall not find life. And, and what was wrong with me is I didn't want to lose my life. See, I wanted to be justified, right with God, do things right with other people, but not get rid of my life. And it was absolutely miserable and impossible. I couldn't do it. I was a failure. And, and like I've told you a story, I've known the, I've known the Lord as a young man, and, and, and this is where, where I, I, I probably I don't teach once in grace or once saved, always saved, but I don't teach it the other way. You can lose your salvation in a heartbeat either. I just leave that up to God. I, I just won't walk out on either one of those planks. I just leave it up to God because I see, I see the Lord say those that continue in my Word because He's telling them in one place there in John 8 where we're reading, those are those that believe in Him. But then He says, if you continue in My Word, then 
You, are you my disciples indeed? Not, not the fact that you started, that you started in believing, but you continue. You had a continuation. I think we're too permissible a little bit, just a little bit too permissible with the Lord's Word, but that's, that's for another time. 